Today's episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, the comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott. Now, Joe is not only a fantastic guitar player, he draws on his years of experience as the ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and also at the McNally Smith Music College. Here's a few words from Joe about the course. If you're tired of wading through hundreds of random guitar videos and just want to become a better player, Fretboard Biology is your answer. Fretboard Biology is a self-paced, college-level program that will give you the right instruction, in the right amounts, and in the right order. You'll learn the same information I taught to thousands of other guitar players over 30 years of teaching in top music colleges. If you want to make real progress with your guitar playing, then sign up for a free 7-day trial at fretboardbiology.com. Hi there, you are listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. My name is Matt Wakeling and this is the show that I produce in Sydney, Australia, where I speak to leading guitarists and guitar figures from all around the world. Thank you so much for joining me. Now on today's show, I am joined by Australian musician and author Joe Matera. Joe comes back on the show to talk about his book Backstage Pass, The Grit and the Glamour. And it details many years and many incredible encounters with world-class musicians that Joe has had the privilege to interview for many publications, including Rolling Stone and Guitar World magazine. At the time that I first spoke to Joe, I said, hey, when you finish this book, come back on the show. And that's exactly what we're doing today. Now, the book is amazing. There'll be links in the show notes for how you can access it through Amazon. It's available electronically and in hard copy. And I can't recommend it highly enough. I loved reading it. Full of amazing stories of uh, conversations with people like Lemmy, Brian May, Joe Satriani, Steve Vai, members of uh, the Eagles of Death Metal, Matchbox 20. The list just keeps going on and on. So I was really excited to have Joe back on the show to talk all about it. Joe Matera, welcome back to the Guitar Speak podcast. Oh, thank you uh, for having me back. It's been a, a few years now, but it's great to be back on your show again. Great, man. Yeah, we spoke in uh, it was August 2019, so two and a bit years. And one of the things, I mean, we spoke about your career as a musician and as a journalist and how you've you've really juggled both in different degrees. But I remember one thing you said was that, um, you know, you had a huge stockpile of interviews and obviously some amazing stories and you're going to start writing a book. And I remember saying, Joe, if you ever write the book, let me know. And I'd love to have you back and talk about it. So today's the day. So I'm pretty stoked. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, well, that was sort of always in the back of my mind, but I didn't think that I would uh, write it so soon, but the pandemic obviously forced um, forced that to happen because, you know, with no gigs and sort of lots of time at home. So I just sat down. I thought, well, now's the time to do it. So, um, yeah, and here I am today, mate. So it's great, like, you know, two years later to actually have the book in your hand and actually, you know, we can talk about it. Fantastic. Yeah. So the book's called Backstage Pass, The Grit and the Glamour. Um, it's published by Empire Publications, which who do heaps of great music stuff. So good to see you working with those guys too. Um, you've been smashing it on the Amazon charts as well, Joe. Tell me about that. That's so good. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, uh, the other week it was um, the book on Amazon Australia charts was uh, number four, which was um, Paul McCartney was at number one and also at number two. Patty Smith was at number three. I was at number four when Elton John was at number five. And it just, I, I just looked and I thought, wow, you know, uh, 
that's amazing. And obviously, the charts do fluctuate; they go up and down in regards to sales. But um, you know, to, to actually reach that that height was uh, you know, pretty amazing. So um, we come up to Christmas now, so you may you know sort of go back up again. So we'll see what happens. But uh, it was just great to sort of see that response. Excellent, excellent. Now, in the the name in the title, you talk about the grit and the glamour, and you mm-hmm. go to great pains to spell out probably not what every author does or rock journalist does, but really, you know, the real life behind the glamour of touring and being a, a household name. Why was that important to you? Um, well, I wanted to like all the books I've read over the years. I mean, uh, they they all tend to sort of you know, talk about the sex, drugs, rock and roll, you know, great, you know, and other great stories. But um, they sort of emphasise more about the, the the public side of the artist, you know, the uh, the glamorous side. And you know, there is another side to that people don't see. And being a musician myself, and you know, living in that world too by touring, I wanted to show people what it's really like on the other side, and and you know, sort of bring the artist down to more. The human side of it, and um, yes. So that's why the book's called the grit and the glamour. You know, the the work in order to achieve that glamour. So um, hopefully, uh, with my stories, you know, lots of great stories I share there, and also gives people uh, an insight of what it's like. You know, that a lot of times it's almost like twenty two hours of travelling and you know doing interviews and working hard for that you know possibly an hour and a half on stage, you know, which is what you live for. So um, you know, people would say, uh, you know, you're crazy to spend so much time just for that moment on stage but that's what you live for you know the fans and um but you know it's it's a hard life and it's a very lonely life but um you know there is a lot of um you know great benefits to it but hopefully the books captured that that human element to the artists that they love yeah cool you you mentioned of course that you're a musician so you've you've got a unique take on this so how did that help you as you're talking to musicians um just to draw out more of that that insight having your own musical background? Um, I, I think that um, interviewing artists who know you're a musician too and, and they sort of understand you can sort of put yourself in their shoes so you sort of um, understand their mindset. So in that way, you sort of, it's like sitting down at the, at the pub, I suppose, if you, you know, your best friend and just share stories. So they tend to open up without you even saying much, you know, because they know, oh, this guy, you know, he's not here just to get a, um, a headline or, you know, to, you know, just to try and get us to say something. He's here to actually about finding what we're like and and what our music's about. So, you know, it's just really good like that. You know, I, I think that helped me a lot with my my journalism. Um, and I think that gives me the edge over, you know, someone who's just a, a journalist themselves and just, you know, talks to an artist. So I think that is uh, that's something that I'm sort of, um, you know, privileged to have. But uh, it's definitely worked in my favour in regards to I've got a lot of great artists who sort of shared a lot of stuff with me that they haven't shared with anybody else really. Yeah, cool. In um, When we spoke in August 2019, you told the story about um, a very young John Mayer on his first Australian tour and from the very first time you saw him play, you knew there was something very special going on and built a relationship with him as well, um, which we shared in that interview. I should just – a quick – a quick plug for the for the August 2019 interview with Joe. Um, I'll leave the the links in the show notes. If you haven't heard that, check that out because we get a lot of background on on Joe himself, which is really cool, including that John Mayer story. You also spoke to Nickelback just before they went bonkers, massive. Did you have the same kind yes. of sense with them? Did you think, okay, these guys are on the cusp of something? Yeah, yeah. Look, the uh, I, I explain it pretty in depth in the book, but um, basically, when they came out, they uh, they had just released, sorry, released 
um, that single, uh, How You Remind Me. So um, they, they came out and they played the Mercury Lounge in Melbourne as a showcase, you know, and the record company Roadrunner Records. And um, I got access to them for two days, basically. You know, they were hardly known. You know, people just started to sort of hear the name. So, you know, I hung around with, um, you know, Chad and the guys and got to sort of, uh, you know, chat with them and find out more about them. And the next day they did a um, live at the uh, chapel and I got to see that. And I knew there's something about them. I mean, when I saw them live that night, I thought, oh, geez, these guys are going to be massive. They just sounded magnificent. And, um, yeah, and a few months later they were. They just hit it, you know. And then I tell the whole story of how for the next couple of years, every time they came out to Australia, I got to sort of uh, interview them again and meet up. And I could see the changes, mate. I mean, from the first from the first time they had like about two or three people with them. The second time they had a, a bit of a small entourage. And then the third time they had quite a big entourage you know so and they were like superstars then i mean chad was like um absolutely everywhere so um yeah it's a really fascinating story and that nickelback was story was what really gave me my biggest break because basically i went that story i actually uh was writing for a, a music street press at the time in melbourne and um i went to the uh, editor and i said you need to put these guys on the cover they're going to be massive and he just said nah they're not going to be massive they're going to be gone by tomorrow i reckon and i said you're going to be sorry because these guys be massive. And uh, anyway, they were. And um, about a year later, the editor said to me, look, I'm going to admit something. I said, uh, I, I regret not listening to you to put them on the cover. And I said, well, you lost the opportunity in that sense. So, yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, that was, you know, it's a great memory to have, you know, 20 years ago now, really. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. I mean, at that stage, you were already writing for Rolling Stone and uh, I think Guitar World back then even, um, which are huge publications in in themselves. What's what's the process to get access to these massive names? So we talk the names we've already mentioned, people like Slash, Gary Moore, um, Lemmy. Um, okay, so first of all, you got to—I mean, I—you have to build your reputation up before you get that. I mean, I obviously before Nickelback, I did a lot of sort of small band sort of stuff, but uh, you know, the opportunity with Nickelback was what really sort of uh, put me out there and then the word got out and then I started getting all these other interviews. You know, John Mayer is a classic example, you know, like John Mayer was really unknown when he came out to Australia. So I was the guy they called to sort of, um, you know, interview him and, uh, you know, we we connected on the on the level where we talked about guitars. He loved talking about guitars yeah, with me. And yeah. so to be there at the time when they're, you know, becoming big, they always call, call you back. So when he came back, he actually, he says, oh, where's Joe Matura? I want to I want to have an interview, you know. So, you get that reputation. So from that, it just led to other things. So publishers start to hear about you and they say, well, you know, we've got an interview with so-and-so. Would you like to uh, do it? And that's what all happened for me, Matt. You know, I mean, Sir George Martin was another one. Um, my name was put out there and there was about 100 journalists who had their names on the list. And George Martin literally went through every single one of them and handpicked, I think it was about 20, I think, in the end. And I was on, on that list. And when I was told that, I thought, wow, you know, uh, you know, got me nervous because I'm thinking, crikey, you know, this guy's picked me out and uh, I better come up with some great questions. So I spent a lot of time researching the stuff. But, uh, yeah, just uh, word got up there and my, you know, reputation, um, people knew about it. So that's why I got access to these names, you know. And you build a trust and the trust is something that you are, uh, is very important as a journalist, you know. You're not going to go and, you know, for example, slash tells you something, last thing you want is to go to the press and say, oh, you know, this is a headline because, it doesn't work that way and I don't work that way. So um, it was always purely about the music and the artists. So, um, you know, when they came out, they go, oh, yeah, let, let's talk to Joe again. So it was great to be in that position. 
Very cool. Tell me about meeting Lemmy. Oh, Lemmy, great old Lemmy. Oh, mate, that's just absolutely fantastic. I, one of my memorable moments. I mean, uh, truly a gentleman, um, a person who respected women, who he was funny, uh, very intelligent. Um, we spoke a lot about, um, you know, World War II sort of history. He knew history so well. Um, absolutely great guy, mate. I mean, uh, he, you know, when I met him backstage at, um, uh, what was it, uh, Vodafone Arena, he uh, invited me in, gave me a, um, a Jack Daniels, which is his drink of choice, mm-hmm. and spent about an hour with him. It was absolutely fantastic, mate. So uh, truly a rock star in every word and truly a gentleman, mate. I mean, uh, I you know, definitely one person uh, we miss so much, and I think the world is, uh, uh, how can I say, less rich without Lemmy because he was truly a, a giant of the uh, rock, rock music. Speaking of other musicians who've passed, uh, Gary Moore, tell me about meeting him. That's amazing. I mean, all these names are amazing, Joe, but yeah, he's yeah, another yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, I never got to meet Gary. Um, that was actually uh, a phone interview, but it was a fantastic interview. I mean, uh, we spoke about guitars, we spoke about his career in the 80s, you know, because I love that period of Gary Moore in the 80s when he was really sort of rock out metal yeah, and then he yeah. went into the blues, which is absolutely fantastic. I mean, he he he's one of those sort of artists who had – how can I say, three different careers. He was the career with Thin Lizzy. Yeah, he had his yeah. career where he had his solo career in the 80s and then he had his 90s career in the blues and he became the master of the blues. So a fascinating guy. And um, I remember, um, I mean, it's a long time ago now, but um, I remember he was sort of um, impressed with some of the magazines I was writing for, you know, and I thought, well, you know, he said, because he read read those magazines, you know, and that's one thing I, I found, Matt, with a lot of these artists is, um they're fans of the magazines too, you know, like they um like as ourselves. I mean, we, we read guitar mags and, and uh, music magazines and then to actually be part of the magazine, you go, wow, you know, it's a bit of a buzz. So it's really interesting to, 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 to know that, that the artists themselves. Sure. You've um, I guess, I mean, that's the thing, Gary Moore, in fact, the cover of, is it the after hours or maybe it's the still got the blues album. I can't remember which one, but the front cover he's, he's sitting there, with a with an album and i think on the back cover it's it's a likeness of him as a kid sitting on his bed playing the les paul and it's really that's right it's really just saying i'm this same kid who grew up listening to this stuff and loving it and now i'm an artist performing it but it's it's a real kickback to that idea of um a kid learning the guitar is now a household name sure but you know just someone who who loves to play and obviously to get the chance to talk about the guitar playing in depth, which, you know, maybe some of these these stars wouldn't have had um, in other years, yeah. um, obviously meant a yeah. lot to them. You know, just the passion for the instrument Absolutely. back to that very core yeah. element. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that album is uh, still got the blues where he's sort of looking back as he started out in the blues he was playing. So, um, yeah, it is. I mean, uh, you know, you're heroes, man. I mean, uh, it's, it's amazing because... Um, I mean, you, you like for example, say, uh, well, Lemmy, for example, you know, you meet Lemmy, but Lemmy's got his heroes too. He had, you know, yeah, like a, yeah. it's it's sort of this pecking order where you know you become. The, I mean, then there's guitar players that, for example, like my stuff, you know, yeah. and they say I'm their hero, and I go, well, I'm just another guitar player, and then then they grow up, and people you get influenced by them. So it's just amazing how that continues. But um, 
in the end, it just shows exactly like like I said, you know, say in the book, you know, that we're, we're all humans. We just got this talent that we share, and you know, some people at a at a different level to others, but uh, at, at the at the um, base core, they are just great human beings who who just want to share music and, and be creative with that music, and um, you know, connect with human other humans. Really, that's what all we want to do with our music is connect. Now um, back to the title, the grit and the glamour. Can you can you give us an example of both sides of the coin? So, what was the most, what was one of the most glamorous places you found yourself for an interview? Oh, okay, that's that's oh, that's a good one. Most glamorous place. Um, oh, well, for touring, most glamorous places are toured all over Europe. So for me, but um, artists, look, I, I remember. Um, going in the limousine with the screaming jets at the uh in perth i was flying over to perth to uh cover the uh aussie concert uh tribute to bon scott which had rose tattoo noise works screaming jets and i was and i was staying in the same hotel as screaming jets and um we got picked up with limousine and went through you know drove to the uh, showgrounds it was i think it was about a, like a 10 or 15 minute drive and uh, that was like, well, you know, it's like living a rock star life there. So, you know, that was sort of glamorous there, I suppose. Um, yeah, I suppose, um, what else? Being, uh, you know, watching a recording session at Sing Sing Studios in Melbourne, you know, like um, uh, yeah, that's, you know, there's so many, it's really hard, mate, because um, you know, there's so many sort of glamorous side, but at the same time, that glamorous side is also still work to do, you know, like, um, yeah. but um, look, yeah. I suppose that's one of my my you know mem- great memories anyway. Yeah, cool. How about how about the gritty side of it then? Where what about some places where you found yourself thinking this is very real right now? Okay, well I can tell you that from from my own tools. I mean, sleeping <laughs> on the floor. I mean, I was um when I toured uh, Europe in twenty fourteen. I did uh, was it sixteen shows in twenty one days in seven countries. Okay. So basically, my whole time was just traveling from the gig to gig, getting you know. Um, so it was pretty full on. And for one week, I my, my agent was in Berlin. I slept on his floor, you know, and um, and then basically just uh, you know, everything that was my home base really. And then you know, going to Poland and um, arriving in Poland, and nobody spoke English at the at the gig. Basically, I had to. Uh, have my my record label guy from Austria was with me. He understood a little bit of that, so I had to sort of draw pictures and tell people what I wanted. You know, like uh, I want a mic. This is what the mic, and they go, "Aha, right, you get the mic for." <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's pretty gritty. That's at the, you know really, and, and, and also carrying my luggage and my guitars all across Europe. I mean, uh, I came home from that two or five uh, kilograms lighter. That, that shows you. I mean, uh, so and I, at that level. So imagine the level you are when you're at someone like, say, Guns N' Roses, where mm-hmm. obviously got an entourage and, you know, but still to do like, say, you know, a year and a half of a world tour, I mean, that's that's incredible, mate. I mean, it's a lot of hard work, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the grit yeah. of, of everything, really. This episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, the comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott, ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and the McNally Smith College of Music. I was one of the beta testers for the course and can say as a music educator, I was really impressed by the logical sequence of learning. The course has also been endorsed by players such as Brett Garson and Greg Cock. 
For more details, check out the links in our show notes. Hey, when, when have you met an artist that has surprised you or surpassed your expectation or, or I don't know, ended up different to the person you thought you were going okay, to Okay, Okay, without giving much away, surprise me in not a good way, I can say <laughs> would be, uh, um, how can I say, Chris Bailey from The Saints, but I won't get into it too much because it's in the book. Yes. All I can say is is a very disappointment, uh, sorry, disappointment and um and I know a lot of people who've worked with Chris as well as producers, and uh, they've all told me um, the same thing as what I experienced, which is uh, pretty sad because, uh, you know, I think the Saints are a great Australian band, legendary band, and uh, I think Chris does some great music. But uh, he, he's sort of one of that. He's in that sort of, um, how can I say, you know, when I say don't, you know, be careful what you wish for and meet your heroes. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's one of them. It's just like, well, I met him. I don't want to meet him again. Because <laughs> <Okay. laughs> I asked you a similar question, not about the book, obviously, back back in 2019. Um, yeah, what's it like meeting your heroes? And, and I've, I've met a bunch of mine, I guess, through the podcast. Um, you, you were overwhelmingly positive about that experience, though. You said, you know, you're meeting people who are doing what they love and, and trying to share, like you said before, trying to share that music. And obviously uh, an interview is is part of that that process so you're part of that process of uh something that's really positive but obviously a lot of a lot of hard work so um yeah interesting to know you know when when you told me that a couple of years ago with your breadth of experience that it's been mm-hmm. you know overwhelmingly positive meeting these people yeah has. that's cool absolutely yeah yeah and like i said don't don't get me don't get me wrong on like chris bailey it's just just i mean I explain the book too that you know artists do have bad days, all right. And he probably had a bad day, and I know I say that in the book. So you know I'm not going to be judgmental in that fact because uh, um, that happens. I mean, it happens to all of us. You know, you might have a, a you know a really shitty day, you know, and and someone comes up to you, and at that moment, you know, you you might just say something that's you know out of order, and and that fan goes away. But I think that's important as an artist that you never forget that your fans are the ones that put you there in the first place. And I think that um, you got to be aware of that and, and always have that respect. So um, like I said, it's just one of those sort of bad days. I think it was more, more he probably, uh, you know, was late to the gig or whatever, but um, yeah, look, I mean, that's a very rare occasion it was, you know, sure. I mean, all my interviews and meetings were very positive. So I've been lucky in that sense because I've got friends who have, you know, in the same sort of, line of work and they've met some people who they regret they ever met you know they say oh look please that was a horrible experience so i've been lucky in that sense do you think with the uber scrutiny we have nowadays through social media and the 24-hour news cycle have you seen mm-hmm. uh, artists behaving differently in terms of how they want to present themselves knowing that there's just yeah i do i think now yeah i think nowadays matt it's all about image and um branding you know it's 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 no longer about the music you know i don't care what people say it's not long about the music it's about it's a business obviously it's always been a business there's nothing wrong with being a business but i think um too much is emphasis on um you know the 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 image and um you know backstory really i mean i've I've read stories you know in magazines by um you know and their backstory is really interesting but there's some backstories you go this is made up by publicists you know and publicists do tend to do that, you know, in order to get a story, which is, and I know because I get pitched stories all the time and I'll research it. And I've had some in the past where 
uh, I've researched it and I found that the story was completely made up and I refused to do a story because it's like, well, that's not fair. There's there's the artists out there who are really genuinely need, you know, um, editorial space, you know, and in today's world that's very hard to get, you know, so I'd rather give it to people who really deserve it and and uh, need to be heard, you know. But, um, but, yeah, I think it's just gone too much, mate. I think, you know, yeah, it's just uh, moved away from the heart of what music's all about, really. Yeah, so I mean, I'm not much into the the the, the younger sort of music that's coming through because I'm much more now settled into um, stuff that I grew up with and the artists I've spoken to and you know guitar players. Sure. But um, from my from my vantage point, I just look at it and I go, well, you know, it's sad because it's going down that and and that, that's that sort of um, lack substance. I think you know, it's like here today, gone tomorrow. You want music, it's going to be here in five years, ten years. You know, timeless. You know. Um, one of the one of my favorite bands of modern times is Foo Fighters. I think Dave Grohl is a genius, and I think um, that music is going to be timeless, regardless. You know, so um, you know they're the sort of bands I love, who are really you know. And Dave's just a, a great guy, um, genuine. He don't you know his backstory. We all know his backstory of Nirvana, but he doesn't need to have a backstory because he's just he's oozing with so much interest in like you know his recording stuff. Um, yeah, and he's he's meetings of artists too. So he, he's a really fascinating guy. I find him really interesting, actually. Yeah, definitely. And another author, like he's uh he's recently. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and it's great. amazing because musicians now have become authors too. I think the pandemic has brought out a lot of um musicians out of the uh woodwork and written books. Like Dave's written a book, you know, Paul McCartney's written a book, you know. Um, well, lyrics books, same thing, but um a lot of people started doing their autobiographies, and and it's great, man. I think it's you know it's just another avenue, and um, to, and you know you sort of finally find out more about from the artist themselves what what their story is about rather than reading it like third hand from someone else. Yeah, cool. So you mentioned the pandemic was um, mm-hmm. a, a motivator for you to uh, number one write the book, but also get back a little bit more into journalism. Um, mm-hmm. So we've mentioned Guitar World. Uh, who you've been doing a lot of work for, which is awesome. So good to see. So proud to see an Aussie crushing it you know, on a, a worldwide oh, uh, publication oh, like that. Yeah, and you know me, like everyone else, grew up reading Guitar Player and Guitar World. They were the two big imported magazines yeah. here. Yeah, Guitar World. I mean, I started reading that in um, 1981. The six <laughs> was it the sixth issue. Wow. I still got it. Wow. And um, you know, who would have known? You know, like that's that's almost that's 40 years ago now. Yeah. And um, who would have known um, that you know decades later I'll be writing for them? You know, like yeah. uh, it's absolutely fantastic. I mean, I, I learned a lot of my guitar stuff as I said in the last podcast. Yeah. From reading guitar mags like Guitar World, Guitar Player. Mm-hmm. I, I love Guitar Player. I love it more the old school guitar, but I think the guitar player today is sort of um it's become sort of a, a short story sort of type stuff. It's still a cool magazine, don't get me wrong, absolutely great. But uh, I think Guitar World is absolutely the 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 father of it all. I think that's one of the best mags on on the market. Um but yeah, you know, it's just it's it's like anything. It's like, you know, you read it when you're growing up and then you know, when you're older, you happen to be in there and you go, wow, you know, that's, that's, that's great. I bet. I bet. What's, um, who are some of the artists you've, you've covered in, in your guitar world work recently? Um, well, I, I was, um, back in 2002, I think it was, I remember now I did, uh, I was the first journo to write about the making of, uh, Metallica's, 
uh, Saint Anger album. Um, I, was, I was I was speaking to Bob Rock in the studio, so I had a sort of an insight into what was happening at that time before the album was sort of completed. So I did a new story for Guitar World that was in uh, published in that. Um, I've done for Guitar World. I've done uh, I've done Hank Marvin. I've done um, Crikey's. I've done a lot. I've done I've, over the years. You know, Guys from Kiss. Um, I've been there's so many artists I've done. I just can't remember, man. I mean, over the years, but now I'm doing a lot of feature stories for the mag, which is really cool. So um, I did one feature story on Thomas Skogsberg, my my producer in in Sweden, who's the death metal uh, producer of uh, Swedish bands like Entombed and and that sort of stuff. So I did a whole history of Swedish death metal. So that was really cool. So and you know, history of instrumental music. I've got Joe Satriani. Um, to, to join in on that one and then Hank Marvin and, um, uh, yeah, a bunch of other guitar players. So it's just great to sort of – and I love doing historical pieces. I think yeah. it's, you know, for guitar players, especially the ones that are coming through, great to read the history of where guitar playing has evolved and where it's come to. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I loved reading those articles for sure, for sure. And, Joe, what what else have you been up to? Like you, you're a guy, you've got a lot of, a lot of irons in the fire, yeah, you're always working on something, even if you can't gig. Um, yeah. yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, I'm, I've At got. The well, I've um, this will surprise you, mate. I'm a guitar player. I've actually uh, just completed, and it's coming out next year. I've, I've signed to a German label for this, but uh, I did an instrumental electronica um, trip hop album, um, wow. basically using you know pianos and synths and strings and some acoustic guitar and beats and uh it's come together really nicely man. just something different i want to do something different so that's coming out i've also got a a, a rock album my my typical uh rock stuff but uh very much swedish based so basically my music in the last couple of years has evolved where it's um become much more swedish sounding in the sense that everything is recorded in stockholm um you know apart from my guitars and my vocals here in, in, in australia but um i work with the with thomas in stockholm and i've got all the swedish musicians backing me and my market is basically Scandinavian Europe now. So um, so it's very much sort of a lot of hard rock. And I had um Don Powell from Slade play on my latest track. Yeah. Um awesome, called Inside man. Looking Out. So it was great to have Don such a great drummer, mate. I mean, uh when he when he sent me the drum tracks for my for my song, I stuck them into my uh you know recording uh system and uh the volumes just went Berserk because I was so loud and heavy. So, um, <laughs> but it was such an honor to have him. And I've had Jan Schaffer from ABBA who played on all ABBA hits. Mm. He uh, joined me on guitar on my single I brought out earlier this year um, called Take a Look. And now I've got a, um, I'm in the middle of uh, co writing and recording a track with uh, legendary UK popsters, the Corgis, who in Australia had a big hit in 1980 called Everybody's Gonna Learn Sometime. Yeah. So we're in the middle of doing that that'll be released next year um oh, that's awesome. so i've got a lot of stuff happening mate i mean i'm doing some stuff with uh i've just done a co-write with russell morris so um so that's all coming out so yeah i'm keeping busy great great to hear and i'm not surprised at all uh having known you for a little while now joe but you are keeping <laughs> yeah it I, love, I love keeping busy yeah, yeah nice so hey the book is uh, backstage pass the grit and the glamour people should be buying it for mm-hmm. christmas immediately on amazon i'll stick all the links in in the show notes yeah anything else you want us to know about about the book or or anything else you got going on um 
No, just uh, I think, um, you know, hopefully uh, people enjoy the book. I, I know already that people who've read it have given me great positive response, which is great to hear. And, um, look, there is enough material. I'll tell you now to do another two more books. Yeah. So depending on how it all goes, you know, and, and time-wise, I may do, a, a you know, definitely a second book because I've got so many stories here. And um, But uh, I just want people to enjoy it. And, you know, just, to, I mean, the book's pretty much a, um yeah it's 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 a feel good experience you know um about you know meeting your heroes and and you know hopefully uh people get something from it too from guitar especially guitar players because a lot of it's you know guitar players too and um yeah look you know and i just want to say thank thank you matt and to everybody out there to who supported me you know over the years and um hopefully uh uh i can get out there when you know next year when we can do shows again and you know people can come and catch up and um yeah bring your book along and i'll sign it for you nice that's a good deal joe that's awesome well joe yes, mate yes. thank you so much for coming back on the show um i'm a big fan of your writing as i said last time around and uh the fact that you've you're now a published author as well as a, a legendary journalist is super cool so well done mate <laughs> oh you're too kind mate too kind legendary i think legendary should be people who are really legendary i don't think i'm legendary mate uh but i appreciate it mate thank you so much All right, there you go, Joe Matera on the Guitar Speak podcast. And please, let me clarify, Joe is a legend, okay? All right. Hey, the book is amazing. I loved it, and it's well worth checking out. There's so many great guitar stories in there, which uh, I know you're going to love. So check out the links in the show notes. My great thanks to Fretboard Biology, to Joe Elliott, Todd, and all the team over there. Thank you so much for sponsoring the show. Please check out the Fretboard Biology links as well. And if you haven't subscribed yet, subscribe to the Guitar Speak podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, um, Google Podcasts, wherever you pod. It's free and uh, the episodes will get delivered to your device every time we upload one. All right, I'm going to get out of here. My name is Matt Wakeling. Thank you so much for tuning in. And in the words of legendary rocker Michael Schenker, Keep rocking. Keep on rocking. Keep on rocking. Indeed. I'll catch you next time. Bye now.